to the Hell of a Catholic Podcast. This is Father Josh Allen, the chaplain at the Georgia Tech Catholic Center. Uh, I'm Anthony Haskin, the pastoral lackey at the Catholic Center. And I'm Laura Wanowski, a senior at Georgia Tech and the leader of the RCIA program. And today we are talking about uh, confession and uh, sort of thinking about it in the mindset of someone who is coming into the church or finishing their introduction to the church through RCIA and trying to uh, see if we can think about how someone would approach confession from that standpoint. Um, There's obviously lots of different elements that we could talk about, but uh, I thought I would uh, first ask Lauren Anthony uh, what they think, like people who are going to have to make their first confession, like what they're thinking, probably from the standpoint of not just the details of how one does it, but also why and yeah. Um, I'm always curious uh, how people grow in their understanding of that, because uh, most of the time, by the time they come to confession, they're they're they are perhaps scared, but they know that it's good, and they kind of want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from from my standpoint, uh, when people come, so somehow people move from wherever they were to that point <laughs> uh, without me knowing about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think it's. I don't want to sound like pessimistic, but it might be like this box to check, like, you know, before you're receiving these sacraments. And I imagine, because at least, I mean, that's how it was when I was five years old and had my first confession, right? That uh, I was so, I know I was five. Uh, Were you five? I was five, yeah. That's when I got first communion. I was seven. That's crazy. You did a confession at five years old? Yeah. What did you do? I was so scared. I stole a piece of my cousin's gum. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh, I thought it was going to go to hell. It was a piece of trident. Oh, that's bad. And I hid it from him. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, you said you didn't even chew it, did you? No, as soon as you saw me, I spit it out. (laughs) (laughs) I was so scared. So, but, but I think at that point, that maybe you're so focused on the fact that you're going to have to tell someone your sins that maybe you're not thinking like, oh, this is Jesus that or I'm receiving absolution that you're like, wow, I have to go sit down there and be like, I did this. This uh-huh. happened. Yeah. And I think for someone going through RCIA, the first one, like that's the scary one. Cause like yeah. there's like, you know, 15 or however many years between either your, your first confession or you've never been to confession before. Like for me, confession's still kind of scary, but it's like I only have to remember the past few weeks. Like yeah. they have to remember <laughs> and then proceed to say everything that happened, you know, for years. Do you years. expect that? Like if someone's, if it's a first confession, they've never gone before and they're 21 years old. Well, you know, that's, that's a good point. Okay, so how should someone make... Uh, how should an adult make yeah. their first That's confession, good. right? So assuming it's not someone who's going to be baptized, that we're talking about someone who was baptized when they were a kid and uh, and they haven't made a confession in, we'll say, 15 years, right? So they got 15 years of sins. Um, the Code of Canon Law tells us <laughs> that mortal sins should be confessed by kind and number. Mm-hmm. That is, what it is and how many times I did it. Now, there are a variety of fascinating and entertaining ways that people do this. Um, <laughs> so, entertaining. So, I, I mean, for those of you who may, I mean, there are a few people who listen to this podcast who actually did not go to Georgia Tech. They don't come to the Catholic Center. They don't do whatever. We hear a lot of confessions here. We have a lot of confession times. I hear a ton of confessions every single week. Um, and I love it. But I love to laugh about confession because, first of all, I think laughing about it does help us with our nervousness. Yes. And second of all, 
honestly, you people are pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so kind of number. So the one extreme is someone comes in and lists every single thing that they have done and the number of times. So you'll get someone who comes in and says, uh, and, and, and we're not even talking about mortal sins at this point. I mean, I'm talking about venial sins, right? So uh, I was distracted in prayer 47 times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, you know, gossiped 18 times. I blah, 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 you know, and I'm thinking to myself, are you sure it's 47? <laughs> like, Maybe really it's 48. Know, do you really know that it's 47 times? <laughs> like, what if you're wrong? Are you going to feel bad if you if you think of another one? Was it a and lie that you told? Will, sometimes they will, right? Sometimes they'll come back and say, uh, you know, I think that might have been 48 times. Like, okay, that's good. All right. Um, Are they just well, keeping a tally like, throughout? The, people, well, like, how do they? <laughs> I do know people that, like, you know, they do their daily exam in a conscience in yeah. the evening and maybe keep a journal or something. That would make right. more sense. I would never write down my sins. Good grief. <laughs> that would be, uh, first of all, be a lot of paper. Um, but uh, at any rate, so when we come to confession, we're supposed to confess mortal sins or serious sins, right? Mm-hmm. By kind of number. So. I do something that's a big deal, like uh, missing mass on a Sunday, right? But for somebody who's come, I mean, if if you if you go to confession once a month, it's easy to say I missed one Sunday mass, right? That's easy. Oh gosh, or to it's been say, fifteen years. Right? Or to say, you know, I haven't been to mass uh-huh. since my last confession, right? Yeah. So okay, right. so now I know you've missed about four, right? When it's been fifteen years, you know. It's not like we really expect you to go back through the calendar. <laughs> say, Fifty-two weeks oh, in a year. Well, we went to we went to Christmas and we went to Easter, and mm. I, I think I remember that one time I went with my grandmother and I hated it, but I was there. No, it's not like that, right? Yeah. So, the idea of kind and number number does not necessarily mean that you have to tell me the exact number. What you're supposed to do is give the priest an idea of whether this is something that is rare whether it's something that happens occasionally, regularly, whether it happens a lot, that kind of thing, right? So, you know, if you if you come in and you confess that you missed Mass, it's good to tell the priest, it's been six months since my last confession, I missed Mass one time. And I'm going to say something very different to you, if I'm going to give you advice, I'm going to say something very different to you than if you come in and say, it's been six months since my last confession, I've missed Mass 25 times, Yeah. right? We're going to have a very different conversation, right? Or even if you come in and say, I've missed Mass once a month, right? Okay, you know, we're still going to have a conversation about that, right? Yeah. Unless you give me something worse than that, which, who knows, maybe you will. Um, and so I think that's the idea behind giving us the numbers, right? So somebody over 15 years, if they were to say, well, gosh, I didn't even practice my faith for 10 years, and then I started kind of practicing it, but I didn't really go to Mass, and whatever and what? so then I came in RCIA and I've so now I've, you've given me the idea you've given me this idea that I was baptized Catholic but I haven't really done anything right until just recently that's good enough so like thinking about how there are those three conditions that the Catholic Church requires like you for, know, for moral sin, moral sin yeah, right uh, intention grave matter <laughs> so, so the subject matter has to be serious right. enough uh-huh. to begin with and and knowledge knowledge right yeah. so if someone is coming into the church and let's say they're a convert and they've done something that they don't they at the time they did it and they didn't know it's a sin do they need to still confess it now that they acknowledge it's a sin so um if you really don't know it's a sin then 
No, you do not need to confess it. However, most things that people come to confess would be um, precepts of the natural law, something that anyone using their reason ought to know we ought not to do. Right? So it's like, well, perhaps you've never been in a CCD class. You don't need... You don't need the catechism to tell you you ought not to steal people's stuff. Yeah. Right? Now, there are some finer points. Like, I I do know there's a lot of times people will come in and confess, and, you know, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do this, but I've been receiving communion all this time. Uh Well, so then I say, well, okay, it's good that you confess that because it gives us the opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. But it really wasn't a sin for you. If you really didn't know, if nobody had ever told you, and it's very possible that nobody did, right? If nobody had ever told you, it can't be a sin. And that's not the kind of thing that reason is just going to tell you. That's the kind of thing that's, it's a particular kind of sacramental rule, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to be introduced to that rule in order to understand it. In the same way that someone who's not Catholic, who goes up to receive the Eucharist, if no one's ever told them that non-Catholics aren't supposed to do this. I mean, I actually know someone who is not a Catholic who married a Catholic, who was receiving for years. I mean, to the point that everybody just assumed this person's Catholic, Catholic, right? It's like, at some point, we have this conversation, and I'm not Catholic. I'm like, what are you talking about? I give you communion, like, every week and and most days at daily Mass. Oh, man. Oh, my God. He's coming to daily Mass. (laughs) And and the whole thought was, well, I mean, I'm Catholic in my heart, but I I never did anything official. I thought you Mm -hmm. just started coming to the Catholic Church, and now I'm Catholic. Right. And but here's the thing, like you can imagine coming to Sunday mass every single day or every single Sunday in your whole life and never hearing anybody talk about like, well, in order to be Catholic, you have to do the following things. Right. Yeah. I I don't know that I've ever given that homily. Right. Um, So I can I can totally see that happening. So at any rate, then you have the case of a person who in fact, in this person, it was like. All right. Well, let's just do the paperwork, and we're going to go ahead and confirm you. Boom, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're more Catholic than most of these people. Sorry, here. Like, there's no reason to wait. Yeah. Right. And we did right away. I mean, I, I talked to the pastor, and we. I mean, it was like two days later. Oh wow. wow. Um. So. Uh, uh, so at any rate, that kind of thing sometimes yeah. happens. But at any rate, um. Uh, so you come in and you confess your sins by kind of number. You say what it is. I think that's a big thing. Is Sometimes we get embarrassed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to call the sin what it is. Right? <laughs> Those names you yeah. come up with. Well, you just, you just go by the is. commandment. I no. violated the sixth commandment. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, I've never pulled that one before. I've never no, done no, it either. No, 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 that's not even my favorite. Right? It's when someone says, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, I violated the sixth commandment. My favorite is I did inappropriate things. <laughs> Well, yeah. Like, that's why you're here. Welcome, welcome. Right? <laughs> or I did sinful things. Yeah. We got to be a little more specific than that. Things. You know, Don't do the things. About, you know? I did the things. And uh, no, no, no. We got to. And, and that's that's part of the discipline of confession. And it's so good for us too, right? To call the thing what it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, I mean, even any, any uh, like psychologist will tell you that one of the first steps in dealing even with a psychological problem or, or trying to get over some trauma or anything, is we have to admit what the thing really is. Acceptance mm-hmm. is the first step. Exactly, right? <laughs> and so we have to say, this is what this is. Yeah. I put a cat in a wood chipper. 
<laughs> is that really a sin? <laughs> I, Monica's sure going to get on It's here. like saying, I, I put waiting. a demon in yeah, a witch. Yeah, witch <laughs> I keep waiting for that to come up. Actually, just to be clear, that would be terrible. Yes, yeah, don't. Yeah. Yeah. But it's fun just to, to think about. It's fun to think. It's, uh, like a, it's like a spiritual wood chipper. So I think one of the other things that people are really nervous about is that the priest is going to walk out of the confessional and be like, oh, Anthony, that poor cat, what have you done? Yeah. And I once heard a priest, maybe it was you, I don't know, who said that God gives priests the grace to not remember people's sin because that would be very difficult. Like if you are walking around and you know people's sin, first that's a lot just for a priest to have like on his mind all the time looking at people negative and stuff, but I guess it wasn't you judging by your face. But that the priest was just basically explaining that that's not the priest's goals to walk around and be like adulterer. Yeah. <laughs> liar, so as a, stealer. So, so as a priest, right, first of all it's funny people's expectations are very different. So some people come into confession and they confess as if I remember their last confession. They're I do like, that. They're <laughs> like, well, you know, you know I'm struggling with this. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like... Remind me. <laughs> I've heard 1,500 confessions since the last time you came. Um, I don't say that, but I'm like, yeah, okay. Right, then if, I, if I really have to talk about it, I'll tell them that they have to remind me, right? Yeah. I, I don't remember. But you do. I mean, it's it's not true. There, one of the graces that priests receive in confession, it is not true that there is some special grace that priests right. receive to forget. To forget. Right. To forget. It's not like that. I mean, there's plenty of people who I remember their sins, right? Um, and the grace of holy orders um, is actually much more powerful if we don't say it, we'll understand it in a much more powerful way. If we don't say the priest forgets, but instead we say the priest doesn't forget. That he remembers and prays now for that, us. Now that then makes the grace of holy orders even more powerful. Yeah. Right? That the priest can look at someone knowing their sin and love them even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I, I've, never, I've never met anybody. I've never met a single priest, I think, that thinks poorly of someone because of their confession. Right? I mean, I get people that come into confession... And by the way, I mean, you talk about guts, right? I have people that come into confession and confess that they've said or done something bad about me. Right? <laughs> They're like, you know what, Father, I did this, and you actually suffered for it, and I was the one who did it. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks for telling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, I mean, that takes some serious guts for people to do that. But um, Well, I think it's a but even then, you can't think bad about them. It just, yeah. It's not like that. I think it's a unique relationship here because it's not like there are multiple priests, you know, that it's like, oh, if I only see Father Josh, like, in, like, a friendly setting and go to the other priest. And there was an unnamed person at the Catholic Center that I was talking to here. And I tell this story every time I teach, like, someone about confession. And we were both talking about how we don't, at first, we didn't like coming to you for a confession, right? And this particular person was like... You know, it's really my own hang-up because this grace of confession is always available, but I just, like, seek out that 7 a.m. at the Basilica confession and wake (laughs) up, you know, on Monday morning and go. And they came in and started off by telling you that they did not want to come to you with confession and that they had been dreading it for a very long time and that you told them, how can I not love you more when I know your sins? Because you're able to help them and see what they're struggling with. Well, help you. I mean, I tell people this this is what I say almost any time I give a confession talk is that 
for the moment that you're in confession, you know, if the person comes in and they're really honest, they're giving me the opportunity to see them the way that God sees mm-hmm. them. Right? I, mean, I don't see how you can help but love somebody more with that. Yeah. Right? It really is It is a beautiful, graced moment. Um, and sometimes you remember people's sins, sometimes you don't. But the fact is, even if I remember, this is something, it's like the 12-step programs, like in Alcoholics Anonymous or something. They call what I'm about to call, what I'm about to talk about, chronic uniqueness. Right? Oh, yeah. And that is, we all think our sins are so unique mm-hmm. and special and this, that, and the other. And the thing is... Every single person who came into confession right before you said the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, the fact is, I mean, some people might have more trouble in one area than another, but generally speaking, people all have the same problems, <laughs> you know? And it's like, uh-huh. it's, it's like it's one of Satan's, one of Satan's uh, weapons is to make us think that our problems are all unique. Yeah. Right? And that we can't talk to people. And in fact, you know, one of the most effective ways to get over certain sins, um, especially sins that have a lot of shame attached to them, um, is to talk to other people outside of confession about them. Mm -hmm. We join these kind of accountability groups and all these other kind of things. And all of a sudden, somebody who's having trouble with, I mean, they've got one right now here at the Catholic Center. There's uh, one of our one of our graduate students is running this kind of like wake up at six o'clock in the morning and go exercise and then pray. And it's like this sort of accountability thing for people who can't get their day going. Right. So they're going to exercise and then they have prayer built into their day. And so now these two things that I could never do, I could never find time to pray and I could never get up and exercise. (laughs) Now I'm doing them with somebody else. And all of a sudden, not only is it easier, but it's, it's almost becoming enjoyable. Yeah. Right. So those kind of things, like when we have other people involved in it, it helps us so much. But that's the lie. Like Satan tells us, you can't talk to anybody. Nobody else would understand. They would not like me. They would hate me. And some people would. It's not like we got to go around manifesting ourselves. Yeah. Everybody. That would not be a good idea. Yeah. But to people who know us and love us, you know, it's like I tell. I used to tell this to kids at uh, St. Bridget before I came to Georgia Tech. Um, especially if they came in and they were struggling with pornography or something like that. I would, I would, I would tell the guys, be like, have you talked to your dad about it? They're like, oh, no, I can't talk to him. He would never understand. I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Probably would understand. Last back 20 years. I think I've heard your dad's confessions, too. I'm pretty sure he's going to understand. Of course, I wouldn't say that. But, yeah. Peer around the wall. But it's like, talk to your dad about it. And the ones that did. It's amazing how much it would help. I would actually tell the girls the same thing. To their dads? Yeah. Ooh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But the ones who did? Wow. The ones who did? It was amazing. Yeah. You know? But, so that's the thing. Is like our, our sins all tend to have this kind of similarity to them. Yeah. So it's not like, so even though, even though maybe, maybe I don't remember the particulars of someone's uh, confession, but I mean... It's not like I can't tell you your sins, right? It's pretty easy to do. Yeah, you know? yeah. But that's the point. It's like, this is not something we should worry about. Right. And then there's people who, who say, well, I don't want to go to this priest. I'm going to go to this priest. And that's fine. I mean, the, I think the most important thing is to go to confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always say to somebody, if they don't want to come to me, that's fine. If they want to go to somebody else, that's fine. Uh, just so long as they go. Yeah. I do think it is unhealthy if we are constantly choosing different confessors 
so that we never have to let a priest know that I have this problem on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. You know, and then there's a lot of that that mm-hmm. goes on. So now what I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm letting pride dictate yeah. my confession. It's like, okay, uh, so let's at least include that in the confession. So <laughs> that, and you know what, Father, I go to different priests, so I don't have to tell anybody that this is a consistent yeah, problem for yeah. me. But I'll tell another you priest know. that next time. Exactly. <laughs> so. yeah. But, I mean, Jesus told St. Faustina to not think about the priest that he was using to, to intercede. That it's Because it's not about the priest. Just like going to Mass isn't necessarily about the homily that's given or the priest that's performing the Mass. Going to confession isn't about the priest that's absolving you. And that's why a confession is still valid, even if you... That's right. Don't feel like the priest gave it. And, and I think I think people are somewhat hesitant because there is the aspect of confession that um, where the priest does give advice, mm-hmm. right? And the thing to remember about that part of confession is that is not Jesus Christ talking to you. Yeah, that's not even holy orders talking to you. There's no sacramental grace present in the priest's advice to you. His advice is you can take it or you can leave it. You don't have to do it, right? Maybe it's good advice, maybe it's not. I have gotten a lot of really bad advice in confession. And I know a lot of people who have gotten really bad advice in confession. Um, And so you just have to remember, like, you can listen to the advice. If it's helpful to you, fine. If it's not, fine. We ought to always be careful of kind of guarding our hearts so much that I assume that any priest who tells me anything other than what I want to hear is not telling me good <laughs> advice, right? Yeah. But, um, but that aspect does sometimes cause people to go to one priest or another. Yeah. They find themselves like, this priest always gives me good advice, and this priest doesn't really have much to say. And while I'm happy to go to either one, I mean, all things being equal, if I have the time, like getting the good advice is something that mm-hmm. I like. Yeah. Um, or some people are like, I don't want to have any advice. I don't want to talk about this. I just want to say my sins and be done. Yeah. Right. And there's some priests that will just, that'll be it. Oh, oh, I, I'll tell you, like here, I mean, so we have, what, eight hours a week of confession, eight, eight different times, four on Sunday and four different four to, week, yeah. Right? yeah. So eight different times for confession. And most of the time, our line is so long that at least half the people don't even get advice. They just get absolution. Yeah, I mean it's just it's one of those things. It's like a, it's a time issue, right? Um, I mean, I, we're I'm looking now at when we can add more confessions because it's I mean it's crazy. Um, but so that's another thing, especially for people going to confession, is the advice part of confession is optional. Yes, like the priest doesn't have to give it, so don't be upset if he doesn't. Right? <laughs> if you want a priest's advice the best thing to do is make an appointment. Because what you're going to get from a priest during confession is going to be brief, and it's going to be very brief. Um, unless you are unless you happen to be in a parish where very few people come to confession, and then the priest will <laughs> chat with you. But if there's a lot of people coming to confession, it's like, you have to understand, if I spend a long time doing this, the next person who might need a mortal sin absolved from their soul isn't going to get that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you have to take a long time with people. That's just the way it is. But uh, for the most part, it tends to be a fairly fast process, you know. Yeah. And if people want it to be more interactive or if they want more advice on things, they ought to make an appointment. Mm-hmm. Well, and you began the podcast by saying that, that you have sins. I know that you've talked about it in confession. So sometimes I think that people forget that priests are still human and go well, to confession. I, you know, I, I've read this in so many spiritual books, but it's like one of the best things for priests to be good confessors is to go to confession regularly themselves. 
because, you know, when we're aware of our own sins, we understand our own struggle with things. Um, it just gives us a level of understanding with other people um, that we wouldn't have if, if we kind of hardened our heart and never went to confession. Yeah. Um, and so oftentimes, um, it's not always this way, um, but oftentimes, you know, you go to a parish or a place where there's very few confessions. And chances are the priest doesn't go either and probably doesn't think he sends very much. And it's just not something that they focus on, right? Yeah. Whereas, like, this is what Jesus Christ came to do. To provide for the forgiveness of sins, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what he did. That his entire mission on earth was to forgive sins, that so we could spend eternity with him. Yeah, right. We are directly participating in the extension of Christ's mission on earth when we are hearing confessions. Other than celebrating the mass, there's nothing a priest could do that would be more important than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I, I remember Pope Francis uh, when he first. It was like the first year of his pontificate. I can't remember exactly when. But he said he thought priests should spend two hours a day hearing confessions mm-hmm. every single day. Now, it's like St. John Vianney, who is the patron of parish priests, would hear confessions for hours and yeah. hours. And if he's yeah. he's the guy, you know, to represent parish priests, like, that's what you should be doing. Wow. Um, it's one of those. And I don't hear confessions two hours every day, but, although it might add up to that when you add up appointments and stuff like uh-huh. that. Um, but it's one of those things, like, you know, it's a... It's a very needed sacrament. And I mm-hmm. tend to find that, uh, and I think most of my friends have found that if you offer it, people come. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, offer but you have to offer confessions first. It's like, you talk about being uncharitable as a priest. Get up and give somebody a rip roar and homily on sin, and you don't offer confessions. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, well, we wonder sometimes why priests never preach about sin, right? Well, it's like... They don't want to give confession. Well, I mean, so some of it, some of it's like that. Because the thing yeah. is, if I get up and I give a homily on gossip, what's going to happen? Everyone's Every gonna single person gossip. that comes to confession is going to be talking about gossip. It's like right? hypochondria. They're just and like, yeah. oh crap! Well, I have it. You know, I've done it. That, you know, a lot of times we don't realize how serious things are, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so you get up and give a homily on gossip, and, and everybody comes and confesses gossip. Well. The problem is, if you're not going to hear confessions, you can't. It's not. It's it's not charitable for you to give a homily on gossip, right? Yeah. That's like I never did understand, and I know there was some confusion in the old missal, but uh, I never did understand like why people thought that the church said that during the triduum, you couldn't do any sacraments except for the mass, right? There were tons of priests who would say that it's just because of some, the way something was translated. Okay. It says we can't hear confessions during the triduum. I'm like, help me understand why we have people go to the Good Friday service. Yeah. <laughs> read the Passion, meditate on the Holy Cross, feel bad about Jesus dying for them on the cross, and all for what? So that they realize that I'm not in a state of grace, therefore I can't receive communion on Easter because we don't offer confessions. Yeah. Until Easter. <laughs> like, is that the point? No, of course not. Like, you're supposed to hear confessions tons during this. Can we talk about that really quick? Because I think that's the other big confusion is that and I've heard so many different things that like if you're struggling with something that is a mortal sin but it's also a habitual sin that then you get into the whole moral culpability if it's a habit and what is that? question of freedom. Exactly. Right. But then like I've had a priest tell me you should continue to receive even if you're in a state of mortal sin if it's a habitual sin with the intention that you will go to confession right away. Well, here's the thing. You should never continue to receive if you're in a state of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. Okay. The question 
that this priest, whoever this is you've talked to, that they're trying to address is that maybe what you've done while being serious, right? Because it's got grave matter, right. wasn't might mortal. not be mortal because of the because habit. an impairment okay. of your freedom, right? Okay. So that's really what we're talking about. That is a judgment that people should only make in confession with the priest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk to the priest about it, and the priest will tell you, okay, so if you do the following things, then you should continue coming to uh, communion. I tell, yeah. like, I tell people who come in and let's say they're having a habitual problem with whatever it is they're having, right. and it's serious sin. And I say, okay, well, here's the deal. It sounds to me like this is enough of a habit where you ought not to not receive the Eucharist because your your freedom's impaired. However, our goal is to get you to where your freedom right. is not uh-huh. impaired, right? So our goal is to turn this into a mortal sin, right? Right. Um, and if you do the following things, then you can continue to receive communion. And it's like, you need to come to confession this often. Yeah. You need to do this, whether it's to come see a priest or to go see a counselor or whatever it is that you need to do. You need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this. And if you're doing those things, then you can, then you can continue to come and receive communion. However, if you don't do these other things, yeah, you can't just come and receive communion and say, I'm not going to worry about this. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But if we're working on it, then the grace of the Eucharist for someone who's not committing a mortal sin okay. is very helpful. And then when they continue to talk with the priest, that's why it's important in that kind of situation to keep going to, keep going to the priest. same priest. right? Yeah. <laughs> At some point, and it is a great joy for me when I have some person sit down in my office and I say, all right, so we've now reached the point that if you do this again, you can't receive communion. Yeah. Because your freedom has grown enough where that's just where you are. And it's like, the person in front of me is like, that's awesome. I'm like, that's I need awesome. it. It's like, and don't what don't goof it up. <laughs> and it's kind of funny when you think about it. It's like, uh, okay, so now we've just turned something that I was doing that was not a mortal sin for me because of freedom. Into a mortal into sin. Into a mortal sin. Yes. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like as freedom grows, that's what we do. Yeah. And that's, um, that's one of those things you really have to work out with a priest or, uh, I mean, if you've seen a spiritual director that's not a priest, yeah. that's also something that a spiritual director can do. And they, we just have to be very cautious about it because you do start to get into a realm that involves a lot of discernment mm-hmm. um, and a lot of understanding, you know. So, um, but it's amazing. It's amazing to see when you find somebody who will do that. Like what can happen with someone through yeah. the sacrament of confession yeah. and all the healing that comes from it. What about when churches, like, so I was in Indianapolis this summer, and the this particular church, the cathedral there, they only offered confession after daily mass, like never before. And so it's yeah. like, do you receive because you intend to go? Or? Yeah, so there is a rule that says in the absence of the possibility of confession, there is the possibility of making a perfect act of contrition, which we can talk about, uh, and then resolving to go to confession at my earliest possible availability. Yeah. And if those conditions all meet, then someone can go and receive communion. Now, before we talk about this happening in the United States, we have to understand these kind of rules were made for missionary priests who go from place to place to place who might for people who might only get mass once a month. Mm-hmm. The priest shows up, there's 2000 people at mass. What's and they've got to be yeah. and they've got to be somewhere else the next day. Right? Or 
mass in a in a dangerous circumstance, somebody going into battle or something like that, right? Um, in those kind of cases where the sacrament is not available in a kind of proper way, um, that's what this rule is made for. Okay. It is not made for, I want to go to mass today and confession's only offered right after mass, right? Okay. Um, I mean, I could have gone yesterday, yeah. right? right. Yeah. But it's not made for that. Um, so... Uh, but the rule does stand, and there are there are places, and there are certainly even places in the United States. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have friends that are priests in Arizona or New Mexico that they're in situations like this. I mean, they've got uh, four or five hour drives in between their parishes. They have three or four parishes, wow. and in those kind of cases, people can find themselves in these sorts of situations. Um, but generally speaking, like for somebody that lives at at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. Between this place and all the confessions we offer, and the basilica and all the confessions and they the offer that you can walk to, the cathedral, which you can't walk to, so unless you have a car, that's not really realistic. Right, but but they have. the cathedral has tons of confessions, and I'm available anytime anybody asks me. Yeah, right. It's mm-hmm. not like I walk away from confessions unless <laughs> unless somebody asks no, me. No, deal time. with your sin. <laughs> Every once in a while, somebody asks you when you're about to start mass or something. It's like, well. Sorry, I can't do it right the second, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. as available as confession is here, it's hard to imagine a person finding themselves in the situation where they would use that exception. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess if this is for RCIA people, maybe we should talk about the logistics of what actually happens in the confessional. Like, how do I make a confession? So. Sure, um, and I think uh, I think you know to prepare for confession is a it's a very important thing. You don't want to kind of come in not knowing anything. Yeah. So the first thing, and this is, I would say this for RCA people, is talk to your sponsors and have them help you with an act, uh, an examination of conscience. It is totally fine to write things down. There are some priests who get really worked up about it. They're like, no, 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 don't read your list. Let's just have a conversation. Like, Father, how about this that? list so that I can remember things. I'm happy to talk to you about them, uh-huh. yeah. right? But this is so I don't forget, <clears throat> right? And uh, so at any rate, it's perfectly fine to make a list. I had a priest tell me to burn my list once. I brought it in, and he was like, what is that? He's like, how am I supposed to remember it? I made to give it to him, and he's like, I'm oh, going man. to burn this. It wasn't here, but... <laughs> man, so I lists just are the trash, just <laughs> In fact, I think lists are fantastic. When I see somebody come in with a list, you know what I know? I know they've actually prepared for confession. Yeah. They've made Whereas an examination. Some people come in and they carry their examination of conscience in, and then they start reading the examination of conscience. And you're just sitting there oh, yes. like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I did this. Hmm. And then they're quiet again. Because they're reading through <laughs> oh, the examination God. of conscience in confession. Like, this. You're supposed to do that before. Active preparation. Right? <laughs> yeah. So people come in and they're prepared, and I love it, right? Um, Different so, different priests will... I mean, so in order to prepare yourself for an RCA person, the best thing to do is talk to your sponsor. They will show you probably a number of different examinations of conscience. Yeah. We have ones like specifically for students here. I okay, think. we've got a good student one. There's one on our app. There's all yeah. kinds of ones all over the place. Um, remember, mortal sins, kind of number. You say what it is. I murdered four people. Or I murdered... So many people that I can't remember. (laughs) So many people that I can't remember, but probably less than a thousand, right? Whatever it is that 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 is. Um, Venial sins you can confess by category, right? Um, I uh, I talked back to my mother, right? Or I said some bad words. 
Right, and, I've, and you could, if you really want to make that ex- explicit, you could say, I've d- and I've done this frequently in my life, right? Yeah. But it's not like mortal sin, which you really got to call it what it is. Other stuff you confess by category, right? I've been prideful. If there's particular ways you've been prideful, you can mention them, but it's not necessary, right? So you come in, you you do your bless me, Father, for I've sinned. This is my first confession. Uh, say your sins. Um, if you come to me, I generally will let you say your entire confession before I say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that because I know in my own personal experience, when I used to go to confession, if the priest interrupted me, I would forget everything else. Yeah. Because I was terrified of bringing a list in because then people <laughs> would get upset about the list. Right? So uh, I'm just trying to accommodate the priest, which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. You're trying to go to confession, and what are you thinking of? I want to accommodate the priest. <laughs> Give me a break. That's not the way this is supposed to work. Right? This is right? for you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So that's what I tend to do. Um, and then uh, I got a good memory, so I listen to the whole thing. And then the thing that I think we should talk about, we'll talk about, sometimes very briefly. Um, sometimes it's more in-depth. Most of the time for RCA people, I just talk about the process of confession and what we do next most of the mm-hmm. time for people who come in. Uh, and then I give a penance, um, or you'll receive a penance. Decade of the Rosary. Decade of the Rosary. For the for souls the of the Purgatory. Purgatory. <laughs> that's right. That's like, I mean, every once in a while I'll give a different one. People, if they get a different penance, they walk out of the, they walk out of the confessional and they're like, "Wow, I got a different penance." One time, or, or, or they're, you I've gotten something or they're, different. Or they're terrified, like, "Oh my gosh, I must really, have, I, I must really have really hard, yeah." You know. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, do understand with penances, penances are supposed to be something that you can complete right after your confession. If somebody tells you your penance is to go and do four acts of charity at, you know, Habitat for Humanity, um, that is not an okay penance. Right? Penances are supposed to be able to be completed by the person right then. Mm-hmm. You have the right to refuse a penance, right? But if you accept it, you need to do it. You have the right to refuse it. You could say to the priest, I don't think I can do that. Can you give me something that I could complete here in the chapel, right? And then ask the priests for that, right? Um, because I, I hear sometimes people will get crazy penances, right? And people will get, yeah, I don't want you to eat anything but b- bread and water for three days. What? And I think to myself, like, what is going on? This is I mean, crazy. I got I got drink only water for the next day, which is fine, but it was. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Now, if somebody was really talking to you carefully like in the advice portion mm-hmm. and said I think it would be really good for you to do this and you said yeah I think it would be good too so now we've talked like we've agreed that this is a good idea like the apologizing thing for the OMG that you said that you gave that girl oh yes yes yeah. yes, yes. Wow. back to the concupiscence podcast exactly, exactly. so you have to listen to a different podcast for that one <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah exactly so you, you have the conversation yeah. but even that right that was advice Oh, I gave okay, her that, that as advice. Penance. I said, if okay. you want to finish, if you want to be done with this, do this. And then your penance is yeah. a decade of oh, okay. <laughs> That's usually what I do. I'll tell people, this would be really good for you if you did this. Yeah. But your penance is this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I want them to be able to do their penance right away. We have to remember, penance is not, I mean, it's a terrible mistake for us to think this. Penance is not me somehow paying for my sins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Penance is... I have received this grace. My new life in Christ has been renewed. How do I begin my new life in Christ? 
with this act, right? Which is why it's not something that I should put off until whenever, right? right. It's like, if I can possibly do it right then, I should do it right then. Is the confession... It has nothing to do with the validity of the okay. confession. If so. you don't complete your penance, it's just a sin to confess in your next confession. Mm-hmm. I, I was really close to not compete, uh, completing it on that water one because I, he asked me, he's like, is that something you can do? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. The next day was the 4th of July. So <laughs> no beer for Anthony. Ah. I was like, oh, you... Uh, but... <laughs> that's uh, You were suckered. Uh, he got me good. <laughs> you know, I think about it and you walk out of there. Yeah. Darn it. Dang it. Uh, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> And then sometimes people forget their penances. Yeah. That happens sometimes, too. We get really nervous. Yeah. You walk out, and you're like, what was my penance? So I tell people in that kind of condition, like, if you can remember any penance that you've received, do that penance. At that point, <laughs> it's like, you know you owe some sort of penance. Yeah. Right? So uh-huh. if you've forgotten what the priest has asked you to do, do something else. And if you remember it at your next confession, you can mention that. But... um so a decade of the rosary it is then. <laughs> I forgot exactly. my penance. <laughs> and then uh, uh, after that, you make the act of contrition, which uh, it's great if you know it because you can kind of make it personal from your heart. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, uh, I'm, every confessional in the world has got it in there. In ours, we've got it taped on the little kneeler, and then mm-hmm. I've got a little book with it next to you. know. So you read that, uh, and then you receive absolution, and go on your way. With the resolve to not do the same sins again. Yeah, well, that's well, the thing. In your act of contrition, you do say, <laughs> you lie. I, firmly intend, <laughs> I firmly intend uh-huh. to do penance, to sin no more, <laughs> and to avoid whatever leads me to sin. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, we ought to intend that. We're supposed yeah. to intend that in the moment. But we, ha- we also have to be realistic, right? That's an intention that is uh, weak. It's a weak mm-hmm. intention. <laughs> that's okay. Over time. Sorry. Over time, as we grow in grace and holiness, our intention gets stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it ends up getting stronger with specific sins, right? So you'll leave behind specific sins. And you move on, and, and, and now you realize, well, i got these other sins to deal with. But these other ones are done. They're gone in your life, yeah. right? It's not something that happens anymore. Yeah. It's like I remember things that I did when I was a kid that I don't do anymore, right? Some of them you just grow out of. I don't steal mm-hmm. gum anymore and spit it out. That's good. <laughs> no, now you don't spit it out. <laughs> you just I steal swallows it. <laughs> I needed this. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, All right. Yeah. Well, I have a weird question. Do priests, like, if they go to confession, does, like, two priests, like, one confesses and then the next, then be like, all right, now you go, like, after the <laughs> solution? Oh, yeah, that happens quite a bit. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. That's just as very. That seems very comforting to me. And I ask a priest, "Hey, will you hear my confession?" They finish, and right after they're done, they will you hear mine. That's so cool. (laughs) Sure. I once Stephanie once told me that uh, a priest told her listening to nuns' confessions like having little pieces of popcorn thrown at your head. (laughs) I did that. I've done that too. Oh no! (laughs) Pelted with popcorn. (laughs) You can't absolve yourself from a sin, can you? No. Nope. Nope. Everybody has to confess to someone else. Yeah. It's the way it works. <laughs> Joshua? <laughs> right. I absolve myself of my sins. Well done, Joshua. That would be very nice. All right. Well, um, I'm sure we could have talked a lot more about confession, um, but nevertheless, uh, hopefully this was helpful to you. If you have any questions or comments, uh, suggestions for future podcasts, uh, complaints about Anthony, which we have get tons of those, so please keep coming in. <laughs> Uh, you can email at us at podcast at gtcatholic.org. Thank you and God bless.